we have an interview with Richard Doherty, president of the Association of Independent Colleges and Universities in Massachusetts. Good morning, Rich. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you? Thank you for Good. having me. Thanks for coming in. I'm joined this morning by Richard Doherty, president of ACOM, which is the Association of Independent Colleges and Universities in Massachusetts. It's a bit of a mouthful, so ACOM it is. ACOM it is. <laughs> uh, so to start, can you just tell us a little bit about ACOM as an association, who you represent, kinds of schools? Sure. Uh, so these are all uh, private, not-for-profit uh, colleges and universities. We have 57 institutions in our m- membership, and those colleges represent practically every single private college in the state that you ever heard of, um, and a few you may not have heard of. Um, and uh, they represent about 98% of the uh, students attending private college in Massachusetts. And Massachusetts is unique in that we're the only state in the country where more students go to private colleges than public colleges, and really by a significant uh, uh, difference. Almost two-thirds of the bachelor's degrees in uh, Massachusetts, and I think somewhere in the low 80% of all the graduate degrees in Massachusetts are awarded by our private nonprofit colleges. So these are huge contributors to the Massachusetts educational and economic landscape. And because we know a lot of those students go on to stay here as well. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, many of them are from Massachusetts Mm -hmm. to begin with and want to stay here. Massachusetts now has a very hot economy, uh, and uh, particularly in some of the areas where students want to be uh, at students like being in cities, and Boston itself is is a hot city, so... Um, we're uh, seeing very strong retention, and we're really attracting talent from all over the country and uh, around the world to Massachusetts. So this is a very rich resource for uh, for the state. So, what kind of work do you do as the association representing all of these schools? Yeah, so we're sort of a trade association, um, and not dissimilar. to other trade associations, we have an advocacy responsibility, and that's sort of at the federal level, at the state level, and to some extent at the municipal level, but uh, advocating for support for financial aid, advocating for uh, more money for research, that's uh, more at the federal level. Um, and then there are any number of uh, bills that impact, uh, that might impact colleges as employers or as real estate uh, property owners and that there may be an unintended uh, impact in certain bills that get introduced at the state level um, that we have to sort of explain that I know this wasn't the intent of this bill, but this could adversely impact our colleges and and universities. Um, In addition to advocacy, we uh, have responsibility for sort of some press and media relations and trying to explain to folks you know, issues that are in the press that uh, around student, you know, the cost and affordability of college, uh, trying to answer the question, which I think is a fairly easy one for us to answer, is college worth it? Absolutely. Um, But uh, those are some of the uh, topics that pop up in the uh, press that we're regularly asked to uh, comment on. And then we also provide professional development for uh, folks on our campuses uh, will do symposiums on uh, timely topics. We have good relations with 
a large number, probably 35 or 40 businesses that do work in the higher education field or want to be supportive of uh, private higher education in Massachusetts. And uh, their professionals, law firms, uh, architectural firms, construction firms, educational consultants, all put together uh, sessions for folks on our campuses that are involved in those areas um, and provide them with uh, just, you know, really informative uh, um, explanations of timely topics that uh, make them better at their jobs uh, back on campus. Um, we're in engaged in college containment, uh, uh, cost containment uh, initiatives um, on the healthcare side, both employee healthcare and student healthcare. We put together many consortiums with uh, uh, others that make the that help to make the cost of uh, employee health and uh, student health um, less for uh, these colleges and universities. And then we also, I serve actually uh, as the vice president of a national association called the Coalition for College Cost Savings, and that's sort of a procurement buying consortium that helps to uh, lower the cost of various goods and services just because it, they've expanded the buying population, and so the leverage that the colleges have, both in Massachusetts and around the country, um, uh, are able to uh, get services and goods at a lower cost, and that helps to keep the cost of college uh, from going up uh, more than we'd like. And then uh, well, we that's are, a good thing. Yeah, it's a very good thing. <laughs> and it's a really An important, important thing. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that we do uh, work on uh, revolves around, say, the topic of student recruitment. Massachusetts is a nationally, internationally recognized destination for education. And so we do a lot of work uh, in Massachusetts, actually, with Massport uh, and uh, providing advice to them of where we would like to have direct flights coming uh, to uh, Boston for, and they've been incredibly helpful, and that has helped to uh, increase the international student uh, population here, which has a huge economic impact on uh, Massachusetts businesses and, uh, and the entire landscape here. It's, I think uh, it's about a $3.2 billion uh, impact by from the uh, international students that come to uh, college here in Massachusetts. So that's an important piece of what we do. And we also help to work through our website and other uh, places to provide information about our wide diversity of uh, schools um, that we have here in Massachusetts. I mean, we have a school for basically every wallet, every academic interest, every talent you might have. Um, and so this is a great place to come to school, and I think uh, people recognize it, and that's why we're, we're known for our educational institutions. There really is something for everyone. And um, to your point, the 57 yeah. institutions, I mean, there's, there's all, all shapes and sizes, rural, city, you know, and yep. um, that each, and so many different programs at so many of them that are doing innovative things to reach new students yep. and, and keep them. Yeah, we, I, we were just involved in a... Uh, meeting earlier today where we have a our schools have had a long-standing relationship with community colleges in Massachusetts but we're trying to uh, 
uh, sort of beef that up and develop a clearer pathway for students to be able to go from a uh, Massachusetts community college to a four-year uh, private college here. And uh, I think that that's a, a uh, exciting way for folks to be able to access the uh, terrific um, facilities and um, uh, resources of our private colleges and do it with a, a more cost-effective, uh, potentially, uh, uh, for certain families, a more cost-effective pathway. So no shortage of things on your to-do list. That was that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have a massive You're staff of four that. people, so <laughs> we're, it's really... Uh, <laughs> That's more than yeah. enough. Um, so something that has taken... Uh, not taken over, but has really come to the to the forefront uh, is the closure regulations um, that were recently signed by Governor Baker and voted on by the Board of Higher Education earlier this month. Uh, came in light of, as everyone knows, what happened a couple of years ago. Was it 2018? Yeah. 2018 at Mount Ida, sudden closure. A lot of students, um, you know, suffered really as a, potentially as a result of that. Uh, so there are these new regulations. What do they do? Yeah, we like to refer to them as the financial monitoring uh, regulations. <laughs> um, and I think that what they do is that they pr provide a level of confidence for uh, families, uh, for students, and for uh, legislators and regulators um, that there's uh, a system in place now for better early detection of schools that are facing uh, financial challenges. And um, I think that there was a lot of, I think, misinformation that was bandied about post uh, Mount Ida that, that was not handled well, and uh, we don't want to see anything like that uh, repeated. But I think that the uh, number of schools that are uh, deeply at risk are, has been overreported. So part of what this is going to do is allow for there to be, uh, I think, more stability brought to the sector and uh, and that that'll uh, translate into confidence that uh, families and college counselors and others uh, will uh, will have what does it mean for the colleges and how how will what they do or report how will that be different than what it was before in terms well, of what to your point students and families are are seeing yeah so the the uh, there are sort of three pieces uh, that have uh, been acted upon or are in the process of being acted upon. So the legislature uh, d did a very good and thoughtful, went through a very good and thoughtful process to develop legislation um, that spelled out a few responsibilities that would be new. So that the Department of Higher Education, um, working uh, closely and collaboratively with the uh, regional accrediting body that uh, basically has responsibility for um, telling the federal government these colleges are, are operating well and they're serving their students and they're deserving of federal financial aid. So that's sort of, that, uh, that's the New England uh, Commission on, on Higher Education. And that, um, that uh, body will now take on some of the responsibility of taking a look at the financials of all uh, private colleges um, in the uh, uh, Commonwealth and 
where there are schools that may have some um, risks, they identify those risks and they will work collaboratively with DHE to figure out how to deal with those risks. Um, but I think that uh, uh, that's, you know, so that's a piece. There is a piece that uh, calls for the education um, and training, if you will, of uh, members of the boards of trustees of all uh, colleges in Massachusetts, public and private uh, alike. And I think that there was a feeling that uh, it's important for uh, trustees who have a fiduciary responsibility to, uh, to the institution and to the uh, people served by the institution that they need to be well aware of what those responsibilities entail in terms of knowledge and the financials of a uh, particular school. So that's a, an important piece. And it then also calls, uh, from a public transparency perspective, the posting on colleges' websites of their uh, financial statements. And now that's something that is already submitted to a public agency, to the Attorney General's office. But I think that the uh, uh, and made available if people the, had ever requested them, correct. which people don't think about. Right. But it, it was um, and I think, th I think it's uh, rather than having to go to a, a state agency, I think there was a feeling like the schools need to be posting these mm -hmm. to make them readily accessible to uh, um, parents that are, are concerned. But I think, you know, I think one of the things that uh, uh, came out of last year's um, uh, work on this issue was that uh, you know, the bond rating agency Moody's uh, basically uh, came out with a report that said about 1% of private colleges in, Mass in the country are um, apt to run into difficulties that may result in their closure, closure or merger. So uh, we have about 1,400 um, private not-for-profit uh, colleges in the United States. So 1% of them is 14. Mm -hmm. So that's a spread across 50 states. So I think that uh, the, the notion that there is going to be, uh, you know, willy-nilly closures of colleges in Massachusetts is um, overstated, <laughs> to say the least. I'm curious on that uh, topic, the transparency thing. Like, if I'm a, a parent out of state, and I know that Massachusetts has, has put this um, kind of oversight or, or uh, in, a, in some sense, student protections in, in place. In a way, that makes Massachusetts maybe more attractive uh, in the private education, uh, higher education landscape, because there is some degree of, well, they, they've done the right thing here, and uh, they're looking closely at the, at the landscape. It's almost a good uh, housekeeping uh, seal of approval right. on the financial health of uh, schools and the folks everywhere uh, you know have uh, you know have have the confidence that uh, uh, this is something that um, you know they know they can uh, have some confidence that somebody in Massachusetts is looking out for mm -hmm. uh, their tuition dollar if you will mm-hmm so you referenced the 1,400, I never realized there were that many, uh, 
independent private schools throughout the, the country. Um, in keeping with that, the National Association of Independent Colleges and Universities, NACU, will be having a conference, and you are headed to Washington. Um, yep. What's on the agenda? Oh, nothing. What are you no, nothing's going on in D.C. What are you guys <laughs> going to be chatting about? Um, so there is there is a lot going on <laughs> down there, as you can uh, imagine. Um, and there's been a change uh, in the... Um, uh, the authority and power on the on the, on the uh, House side in this past year, and so the Massachusetts delegation that is all uh, Democratic right now has risen in stature and authority and power uh, and responsibility, and uh, that is uh, an important piece. We've scheduled meetings with uh, uh, many of uh, our um, congressional offices uh, for. Uh, presidents and uh, folks from campuses to go and meet with them and to let them know firsthand what's going on in their districts on their campuses and to advocate for you know pro we'll probably limit it to three or four uh, major bills that are flowing through the uh, um, Congress and that would make a important uh, impact on students and uh, colleges. Some of them were in favor of them. Some of them were, uh, you know, w looking for modifications to the bills. Um, and uh, so one uh, example of that is uh, Congressman Neal, for instance, is the chair of the Ways and Means Committee. That is a top uh, committee assignment. Um, he's from Springfield. Uh, you know, very well respected, very uh, bipartisan in his ability to get uh, legislation through. One of the things he has long been a champion of is a uh, favorable tax treatment for um, companies that support the uh, educational pursuits of their employees. So you've got a, a talented person that comes out of college and is a uh, working in the accounting department, one way to entice them to stick around is if you help them go and get their master's degree in accounting from a, a college and that uh, a contribution from the employer of up to right now, it's, I think the law is of around $5,200 a year, um, can go to help pay those educational expenses for the employee. And the uh, employee uh, uh, does not have to pay taxes on that and the employer gets a tax deduction for it. So that's a terrific program. Win for everyone. A win for everyone. But there's also a recognition that for many young um, employees uh, at a company that one of the things they're most concerned about is the level of student debt that they have. So we now have a, a bill that uh, we are hoping will move uh, that would allow the employer to help take that uh, $5,200 payment, and rather than paying for n additional schooling for the employee, help to pay down the uh, student debt that an employee might, might have. So that ends up having a uh, retention quality to it uh, for uh, those employees. So that's a, you know, a, I think a smart, progressive mm -hmm. uh, um, approach to helping with the student debt pro uh, problem. But there are other uh, bills that we're concerned about. There's, we are expecting at about the time we're down in D.C. that the Department of Education will come out with some new regs 
relative to uh, Title IX and issues around sexual assault on campus. And that's a uh, issue that uh, we care deeply about on our campuses, our presidents and students care deeply about. And I think that that's one where we're concerned that the uh, uh, regulations that will come out from uh, the department will actually roll back some of the uh, um, advancements that campuses have made over the last five years, or uh, actually probably the last eight years, um, since uh, the Obama administration came out with its dear colleague letter that set uh, sort of expectations for how um, colleges would handle issues around sexual assault on campus. So that's an issue where uh, we may need to continue pushing back. We actually got a huge number of our schools to sign on to a letter with recommendations on what we felt needed to be done. So that was uh, um, an important issue. You know, just today in, in today's paper, there was a uh, issue around immigration of, uh, rights and uh, uh, a student from Northeastern mm -hmm. being deported. Um, and that's a huge concern uh, that we have. We have uh, Massachusetts, I think, has the fourth highest number of international students studying here. Boston is the third largest city in the country uh, with international students behind LA, New York. Um, and it's sort of stunning that little old Boston with you know, 700,000 uh, uh, folks is the third largest uh, yeah. city uh, educating international students. And so we want those students here. And uh, um, we think that, that uh, some of uh, this, these policies aimed, uh, seemingly aimed at these students and, partic and particularly students from particular countries uh, has a political element to it that really doesn't uh, bear up to uh, um, the not in keeping yeah, with our not, values. Yeah, not in keeping with, yeah. with our va values or the threat that these students, uh, you know, may pose. So, I, you know, there is, these are students, um, and yeah. I think uh, we have to recognize that, and, and we have to be glad they're here. Well, and to your earlier point, not only are they a huge economic engine um, once they're here and families come to visit and things like that, but also just what they add to the culture of the campuses and the student bodies that they're on in terms of, you know, just teaching and expanding people's, you know, horizons. Right. I mean, we, we live in a global economy and, uh, and having students in the classroom providing that perspective you know, for many students, you know, the, uh, you know, the, it used to be that students sort of got some of that experience by doing a junior year abroad or a semester abroad. I mean, you can have four years essentially abroad just staying in your classroom and having these uh, students from all over the world um, come through and be your classmates and be in your dorm and be in the uh, uh, dining hall. And, uh, and you end up sort of picking up a much richer uh, perspective of uh, life without having to go traveling. And, uh, you know, for many uh, students, they can't afford to do uh, mm -hmm. that, that. Or for athletes, they, they can't uh, afford to be uh, taking time off. So, uh, you know, I think that there's a huge richness to uh, the presence of all our international students, and we're lucky we have them. So it's January. Before we wrap up, 
any other themes or what you see coming for 2020 in higher ed? No, I mean, I think there's just going to be an ongoing commitment to trying to control the cost of college. Uh, and that can be done both on the campus level and it can be done with public policy and support for fi financial aid. Um, so I think that's uh, a big issue for us. I think we need to continue to do uh, the job of making the case for why college is worth it. It seems to be very popular with some folks to sort of suggest is college still worth it? And uh, I think that that's a, it gets a lot of attention when that question is asked because for many it seems so self-evident that it clearly is. And I think that then there's a lot of empirical evidence uh, that says it's absolutely worth it and it's absolutely worth it in terms of long-term uh, earnings for uh, folks with a college degree. But it's also uh, clear that, they, that uh, there's evidence that says that folks who have gotten a college degree are healthier, have greater job satisfaction, are happier, contribute more to their community, actively engage civically. And so there are lots of reasons why we should be encouraging people to go to college. I think in Massachusetts, we are such a innovation economy driven state that uh, most folks sort of get that uh, uh, high school and or uh, a community college may not be enough. And now in that, and I'm not saying that it's not for the colleges for absolutely everyone. It's, and it's not. And, and it's not. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are terrific opportunities for folks with skills in the trades and, uh, and, and other areas of our economy, but for much, much of our economy, uh, there's an expectation of a bachelor's degree or above. And I think that we have to recognize that and not shy away from that and try to allow folks that, uh, you know, may have financial uh, challenges in trying to uh, uh, reach those uh, degree levels to, uh, to get the support they need to be able to uh, um, uh, contribute to the Commonwealth the way uh, uh, so many of us, uh, you know, want them to be able to. Yeah. Well, anything? anything? No, thank no? you very much for coming <laughs> in. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Oh, this has been fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Downtown studio with sirens outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's a riveting morning here in downtown Boston. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Diane.